But I love that song, Good, Good Father. Isn't that a good song? That's a good song, Good Father, good song. You know, sometimes I think we just need to hear that, um, that God's proud of us. You know, I think sometimes we... We, 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 look at, we look at God as, as, as someone that's it's looking down and, 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 and seeing all, all our faults. And we know that we have a lot of faults that we have to deal with and, and that we have to reconcile in our relationship with God. But the reason why God wants us to deal with our, our faults is because he loves us. And um, he, he doesn't, you know, I think sometimes we, we look at our faults and, and our sins. It's, it's what keeps us from God and knowing him in a more intimate way. It's not... Um, you know, I think it's not this performance thing that, 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 that God is saying to us. I think sometimes we look at it like when we've, you know, vicariously lived through our kids or whatever, and because we weren't like that, so we want our kids to be something that we weren't like. Well, God's not like that. He, he's perfect. So he's not, he's not vicariously living through us because it makes him look better. It, it, he's given everything for us uh, because we have fallen short of him. God wants to remove those imperfections out of our lives so that he can love us more and we can love him more. And, and I think if you look at, I have no idea if that made any sense, but it makes sense to me, so that's all that matters. I, I, think, I, think it, you, I think if we can look at our relationship with God in that way, that he is a good father, that, um, that he is perfect in all his ways, that, that I'm, not, I'm not trying to gain um, his love by my perfection because I mean, you know, we, we, tomorrow we're going to make a mistake. And next week we're going to fall and we're going to do something wrong. And I think if we view our relationship with God like that, it's going to be a miserable walk. And that's not what God wants. God wants us to realize that we're going to make mistakes, but he's there to pick us up. He, he, he's there to show us his ways so that we can know him more. And I think the more we reflect on our weakness, the more he becomes strong in our life. The more we reflect on our shortcomings, the more God says, listen, I can work with you now because you recognize that you've, that, that you've fallen short, that you're not trying to do it in your own strength. Um, you're not trying to do it through your own perfection. I realize you're weak. That's why God sent his son Jesus, so that we can live through him and that we can find grace and mercy in our time of need. And how many know we're weak and we're feeble and, and we make mistakes? And God likes that heart because it's a heart that's going to rely more on him and his strength. Amen? So let's pray and we can leave. That was, uh, no. Uh, if you've got your Bibles... Um, Go ahead and turn to the book of Philippians. We're, we're, we're doing a series through the book of Philippians. We're in chapter 2 now. Um, if you didn't bring a Bible, you can use the Bible in your seats in front of you. you turn to page 636, and that's what page we're on. So you can use the Bibles in the seats. If you don't have a Bible, that's our gift for you. You can take uh, the Bibles uh, that are there. Um, and and wh what I want us to do is we're, we're, we're going through the book of Philippians, and it's a book that the Apostle Paul wrote and that he... Um, uh, wrote from prison because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And he loves this church. This church stood by him. And uh, Paul is later in his years now, and he's, he's reflecting and he's showing this church uh, what it means to be a follower of Jesus and, 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 and to have Jesus as our example and to follow him. And so Paul is not really writing anything negative to this church like he did maybe uh, for correction, like the, the church in Corinth, but he's really writing out of a heart that loves them and prays for them. And it's the first church that he started in Europe. So he, he has a lot invested in this church and he wants them to continue in their faith with Jesus Christ. I just love this book of Philippians because not only does it speak to 
to the church that he was writing to um, and, and to their hearts and what he wanted for them. But it speaks to us here today living in 2016. So we're going to jump right into chapter 2 and we're going to look at the first 11 verses and, um, and see what Paul has to say about, about uh, imitating Christ's humility. And so he starts off, we, we start off in chapter 2 verse 1, it says, he says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then, then do this. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. For each of you should not only look to his own interests, but also the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same of that of Jesus Christ, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant and made in, and made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, Every knee shall bow in heaven and in earth and under earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord, just speak to us today through your word. Um, we thank you for it. We give it uh, full authority in this place today. We believe that it's an error. We believe that it's perfect and we believe that it guides us in all areas of our lives. So um, thank you for your word today. Just may we heed it and may we recognize it today in our hearts and lives as we follow you, Jesus. And we ask these things in your precious name. And everyone said, um, one of the top Super Bowl plays in the history of the Super Bowl might not be what you think. And, and this is what um, many sports writers, uh, many people believe is to be uh, the top play in Super Bowl history. And it was a play, yes, by the Buffalo Bills. Now, I know they lost four Super Bowls. I know what Bill stands for. Boy, I love losing Super Bowls. I've heard them all. So don't even come to me after the service and say, you know, they lost four Super Bowls. And, but but this, this play uh, forever linked two players in a Super Bowl, and it was Leon Lett and Don Beebe. Now, let me refresh your memory because it was a long time ago, a real long time ago, that they're in the Super Bowl. Um, but we've got this year, and we've got a good quarterback, so my hopes are up that they at least make the playoffs. So hopefully they'll do that. Um, it is, it is, it is, it, this play has, has basically gone down as one of the biggest Super Bowl blunders of all time and one of the most inspirational at the same time. And it was at the 1993 Super Bowl 27. The Bills were down 52 to 17 against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, it was late in the fourth quarter. The game is, is over. Leon recovers a fumble on the Dallas 35-yard line and starts to run for the end zone for a touchdown that would have added insult to injury. I mean, this would have completely just blown the game out. This would have caused Dallas to have the greatest scoring amount in any Super Bowl. If he would have made this touchdown... Dallas would have scored the most points ever in a Super Bowl. Now, around the 10-yard line, uh, Lett started to showboat and hold the ball out, thinking that he was easily going into the end zone. 
Now, what happened at this point was incredible. What Leon didn't see was Don Beebe streaking 60 yards down the field. Now, Don could have easily given up and said, you know what, this game, there's going to be no bearing to the outcome of this game if Leon let scores. But Don Beebe streaks down 60 yards and at the two-yard line knocks the ball out of Leon Lett's hand. How many remember that? Okay, go to YouTube if you have it and watch it because it's the most incredible things. What, what, and, and so the ball goes through, for, uh, through the um, end zone for a touchback and the Bills recover the ball and Dallas did not get a chance to, to get this record of scoring the most. Um, so if there's anything you got from that Super Bowl, at least they didn't score the most on the Bills. So that, that's something we walked away with. <laughs> anyway, um, now, many coaches... Use this play to show their players to never give up. Isn't that amazing? Now, now Leon and, and Don did talk about this play a couple of years ago at the 20th anniversary. And uh, Leon was very gracious and, and basically chalks this up to, obviously, a life lesson. And, and Don uses it very inspirationally to say, hey, hey, just never give up. Now, now there are times where um, all of us have allowed our pride and arrogance to get in the way. And, and as we know, pride is a very dangerous thing. And when the Bible speaks of, of pride... The overwhelming majority of the time, it's speaking of sinful pride. We, we know that pride is, was the downfall of, of Satan, um, being full of himself, wanting to be like God. We know that pride gets us in the way, it causes us to be stubborn. It causes us not to look at our frailties. It causes us not to look at our hearts. It causes us to, to dig our heels in the ground, even, even when maybe we know we're, we're, we're not completely right. But pride just gets in there, doesn't it? And doesn't want the other person to have the edge on our life, right? So pride can just be a nasty thing. Godly pride is when we boast in the Lord, when we encourage others, when we lift them up. But when the Bible speaks of sinful pride, it speaks of arrogance. Literally, it means to shine, to show, to show off. Uh, this is a good definition of pride. Pride is the emphasis of oneself at the expense of God or others. So it's... It's not necessarily wrong, even, even as we see in the scripture here, to look at the interest of yourselves. Where it can become pride is when we look at myself to make others feel inferior. And, and this is what we're going to glean from, from Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul gives us some very interesting and important insight on how to overcome pride by looking at the life of, of Christ. And how do we keep pride from taking over our lives. And what I want to look at today is, is, is I think we can even say, well, I'm not prideful, right? But, but pride can masquerade itself very well and in different ways. I'm going to give you a whole list of things that pride and how it can masquerade itself and how we can distinguish from godly pride and, and, and what is sinful pride so that it doesn't grip our hearts and, and, and cause disunity within the family of God. And this was Paul's concern. I like what Craig Larson says here. It says, just when we think we finished off pride, just when we turn to accept the congratulations of the crowd, pride stabs us in the back. We should never consider pride dead before we are. 
everybody go, hmm, right? That was good, right? So just when we think we finished off pride, just when we turn to accept the congratulations of the crowd, pride stabs us in the back. We should never consider pride dead before we are. So how do we battle pride correctly, this, this, this ungodly, sinful pride? Well, to fight a war correctly, we have to understand the tactics of the enemy. And what are the tactics of pride? Well, let me give you a couple things here that we need to understand about pride. And we need to understand what pride causes us to do. So what pride does is it, 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 it masquerades itself in so many different ways that we may not even realize what it's doing. But behind it, if we were to define it, if, if we were to say, what is going on here? We would have to point to pride. So let me give you a couple things here that, that, that masquerades itself behind pride. What pride does is it, it limits my ability to see my own faults and my own sins. So when I stop recognizing that, that man, I've got sin in my life and, I, and I've got faults and, and I need to be careful about, you know, judging others and and, and looking at the speck in other people's eyes before I take the log out of my own eyes, the minute I stop doing that, what's behind that is pride. Pride stops me from looking at my own faults in my own sins. Pride makes it easier for me to see the faults and sins of others, right? We, we, we tend to give more grace to ourselves than we do for others, so, so pride makes it easy for me to see the faults and sins of others. What's another way that pride masquerades itself? Well, pride makes me one-up someone else's story. Have you, ever, have you ever shared something with somebody and then someone comes along and then shares a better story and then you walk away feeling about this big, right? Pride does that because, because, because what it says is, is I've got something better to share than what you just shared with me. That, that's masquerade. Pride is masquerading itself. Pride uh, makes me interrupt others to share my thoughts. None of us have ever done that in this room, right? We've all done that at times, haven't we? We interrupt someone else to share our thoughts. We're not careful. That can be pride. Pride makes me jealous of someone else's success, right? And so we've got to be careful there. Um, behind jealousy is, is pride. Someone is getting something or getting more accolades than I am. Pride makes it difficult for me to say the words, I'm sorry. That's pride. When, when, I, when I have difficulty saying that I'm sorry or that I'm wrong in a situation, What's behind that is pride. And I know many times we can feel very self-justified uh, in our actions and why we feel that way. But if we're not careful, that can be hidden because of pride. Pride makes it difficult to offer forgiveness or even ask for forgiveness. That can be pride. And, and, and pride can even come in the way of, of not receiving from someone else. When someone else wants to bless you or someone else wants to help you and we say, no, I can do it myself and that's okay, that can even be pride if we're not careful. Pride makes me think that I'm good at what I do, right? So let, that, that's a, when, when I take too much accolades in what I do and I'm proud of what I do, if we're not careful, pride can creep in and cause us to have the wrong type of thinking. Pride makes me feel superior to others. 
Um, pride makes me more concerned with how I am perceived than who I really am. So, so pride puts across this way, th- this image that I want people to see me. Instead of showing people, hey, I'm a person that has, mis- has made mistakes and struggles um, and, and, and has concerns just like you do. But, but pride would say, you know what, I, I want to put on this exterior, th- this false exterior, so people don't really know who I am. Because I'm afraid if people really knew who I am, they wouldn't accept me. That's pride. Pride makes me think um, that the sermon is always for someone else. Have you ever done that? You walk out and go, man, my neighbor needs to hear this. I'm getting a CD and they're listening to it, right? Now, that's okay. That's fine. Go ahead and do that. Get the CD, but make sure that you listen to it too, right? And don't just say, well, just make sure you say, God, is there any, before I give this CD and pass it off, right? And kick the can further down the street. God, is there anything in my life that, uh, that you're dealing with me in this uh, message too? Um, pride keeps me from correction that, that when I need to be corrected, um, uh, I, I throw a stiff arm out to that. Pride, that's what keeps me from correction. Pride makes me say that, um, that I'm not proud, I'm just honest, right? That that's, if we're not careful, uh, that can be pride. Uh, pride makes me overestimate uh, or underestimate my worth as a person. That's pride. I mean, pride can, can come in the fact that I, I overestimate who I am or, or always saying that, man, I'm no good, I'm no good, I'm no good. That, that can be pride too if we're not uh, careful. And then lastly, pride, if we're not careful, ultimately what it will do is it will keep me from hearing God. And so if we're not careful, pride creeps in. It keeps us from hearing God. So I'm not here to, because believe me, all these are speaking to me this morning too. And I'm not here to beat everybody up and say, okay, look how far we've fallen short. But, but I want us to recognize that, that if we're not careful, these things can so easily creep in, into our lives. And if we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and this is what Paul does, what he writes in these verses is this is how we keep sensitive to this ugly side of, of, of pride. So it doesn't creep in to cause disunity within the body, which it can easily do, and ultimately affect our relationship with God. And so when we're aware of this, we will be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we're like, oh, man. Why did I think that? Or why did I do that? That's just pride. And I want to lay that before your feet again, Jesus, because I don't want that thing to become attached to my heart and my life that's going to ultimately cause my relationship with you to become shipwrecked. And that's what Paul is concerned here uh, for the Philippians, that they stay on track, that they keep their minds on Christ, and they, they keep their mind on the example that Jesus left for them. And if they do that, they're going to have wholesomeness within their relationship within the church body and their relationship with God is going to be um, in right standing. So, so we know how pride can masquerade itself. And these, these, this is the fruit of, of pride and, and how it can easily creep into our lives. So, so what, what do we do to, to subdue pride in our life, to, to not allow it to get to the point um, to where it becomes a barrier in my life and a barrier to a relationship and a barrier to my relationship with God. And Paul says the way you subdue pride is through humility. And so let's understand what humility is. Because what Paul does is he shares the example that Christ left for us to follow. 
And pride places the emphasis on me, remember, at the expense of God and others. So what Paul tells us is this. If I am prideful, I will always fight to get my own way, which eventually is going to cause division within the body. And so Paul tells them this. He says, he tells them, be of one mind. So the question is how? We all have different opinions and we all have different ways on how we want things to be done. How do you get a bunch of people to get on board and have singleness of mind? When, listen, when the body of Christ has singleness of mind, that's a dangerous thing to the enemy. When we are of one mind and we are concentrated on Christ, we do a lot of damage and we, we, we basically can just bang in the gates of hell when we do that. I mean, we, we give the enemy a black eye when we do this. And what the enemy wants is he wants division. He, he wants fractions within the body of Christ. And so when he can do that, he knows that he will eventually just splinter the body of Christ. But when we are of one mind, that's why Paul says, listen, you've got to be of one mind. And one mind comes through humility. So the question is, we all have different opinions and, and, and my opinion is always the best, right? My suggestion is always the best. Okay, so we all have different opinions. And then it's interesting when we give a suggestion or we have an opinion and then have you ever given an opinion and people don't like your opinion or your suggestion, right? And you're like, wow, that hurt. I thought that was really, really good. Or you're, you're, you're brainstorming and you're throwing things out. And you're like, what were you thinking about that one, right? And, and so it, it hurts when, when your opinion's not accepted, your suggestion's not accepted. But how can we walk in unity and yet have all different opinions? Because I'm sure that the church in Philippi, they had different opinions about things. I'm sure everybody here has different opinions about how things uh, should get done. So how do we walk in unity yet, yet still have different opinions? Now, does this mean that we just throw caution to the wind and let everything go and just accept everything without discussion? Well, absolutely no. But within the body of Christ, it must be our ambition to serve Christ and to please him first. And I believe if that's our ambition first, it's saying, you know what? Ultimately, it's about Jesus. Ultimately, it's about pleasing him and not pleasing myself. So I'm, I'm, I'm willing as a follower of Christ to maybe lay down my preferences in order for Christ to be ultimately exalted within the body. Okay. Okay. Because we all have preferences. We all have things the way we want them to go, right? And there are definitely things that we need to be careful of. If there's unsound doctrine, if there's sin, those are things we need to deal with. But I hate to say it over 26 years of ministry, what splinters a church is not unsound doctrine. Um, it's usually not dealing with sin because we look at that in the word of God and we're like, hey, that's it. We have to deal with that. Yes, let's be, let's be truthful. Let's, let's stand on the word of God. Let's, let's stand on the truth of God's word. That's not, going away from the truth is not normally what splinters a church, especially a church that is preaching the word of God. What splinters a church is our preferences. 
are these secondary issues, are these things that I want it my way and I'm not seeing it my way and I've got a problem with this and I'm going to make problems for other people if I don't get my own way because this is my preference. And so within the body of Christ, we must make it our ambition to serve him and to please him ultimately. And if that means, you know what? Um, I may have to lay down some of my preferences in order for the unity of the body of Christ, then you know what? As a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm going to be willing to do that. Amen? And and so let's keep that in mind. We should do this with the right spirit and do things in the spirit of Christ. See, a critical combatant spirit or a prideful spirit can easily creep into our lives if we're not careful. And this quickly can just filtrate and infiltrate the church and disrupt the unity of the body of Christ. And what Paul shares with the church is, is he says, listen, this is how you protect the unity and not allowing pride to disrupt the body of Christ. It has to start with us. And so what Paul does in verse 1, he says, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit... You will walk in tenderness and compassion. If the Holy Spirit is leading you, you will walk. This will be the fruit of your life. You will walk in tenderness and compassion. And Paul says, this comes from being in fellowship with the Spirit. So in order for us to walk in unity um, and maybe to lay some of my preferences down and not allow uh, pride and, and a combatant spirit to enter my life, Um, In order for that to be protected, I've got to be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is what tenderizes my heart. The Holy Spirit is what draws me closer to Christ. Um, The Holy Spirit is what gives me gifts and abilities to, to uplift and to build up the body of Christ. So I must continually be walking in the Spirit. So Paul uses a very interesting word when he says that we have to have fellowship with the Spirit. Um, Many of you know this Greek word. It's called, it's the Greek word koinonia. And what this, what this word means is fellowship. He says, we need to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Now, now what does this mean? Because I think um, in, in church circles, we, have, um, we consider fellowship is, is getting together uh, at a potluck dinner and talking about the weather and who's our favorite sports team. That's not what fellowship is, okay? That, that's, not, that's, that's fine to get together and and, 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 and to eat together. But what is Paul saying here? True fellowship, true koinonia isn't some casual relationship. It's a close relationship that actually affects your life. It's a very intimate relationship. You can't be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit and not have it make an impact on your life. And so what Paul is saying here is you can't have fellowship with the Holy Spirit and also walk in pride. Because if you're in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will shine the spotlight on your pride, right? How many of you have ever just been in prayer and, 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 and God will just reveal something to in your heart that's wayward that needs correcting, right? But why? Because you're in prayer and your heart is open to the voice of the Holy Spirit to speak to that area that might need, that might, that, that needs correcting, right? And so in, in order to be in that, you've got to be in fellowship. In order to be in a relationship with somebody, you've got to be face to face and talking with them and opening up your heart to them. That's what true fellowship is. 
when you're with a, a, a brother in the Lord or, or a sister in the Lord and you guys are praying together and you're in fellowship, it's like you're vulnerable and you're, you're praying and, and God is revealing things to your heart. Paul's saying, listen, if you're not in fellowship and in tune with the Holy Spirit, it's an open door for pride to creep in and to fill that void. And so he says, be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And so through prayer, when I'm in fellowship with the Holy Spirit through prayer, there are going to be times that God is just going to put a spotlight on areas of our lives that need correcting. And thank God for that. And so for us, we've, you know, there, we all have blind spots in our lives that we can't see. And so when we are in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does a perfect job in showing us our blind spots, doesn't he? And so that's why it's so important for us to be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Fellowship means that you're sharing life together in Christ. Fellowship is so important for believers to come together and to share their gifts, uh, that we're investing in each other, that we're investing in each other's lives. It's encouraging each other to grow closer to the Lord. It's using the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us to build up the body of Christ. That's what fellowship is. It's, it, it's, it's, it's doing what God has called us so that we build up the body of Christ, not tear it down. Amen? So, so be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So what happens is when pride creeps in, so does selfish desires. And, and everything re- begins to revolve around me and my wants. And so uh, how does this happen? Well, Paul gives us two things here in the verse. He, go, he, here's, he says, what begins to happen is when pr- pride begins to creep in, two things begin to happen. One of them is selfish ambition. And when he uses that word, basically what selfish ambition is, it's advancing my own agenda. It's, 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 there's this secret agenda that I have behind the scenes that the reason I'm doing it, I may disguise it real well, but behind it is the secret agenda that I want my own way, but I can disguise it with a lot of spiritual things, but really it's selfish pride. It's selfish ambition. I'm not doing it from a pure heart. I'm doing it because I have this uh, agenda behind it. And he uses this second word where he says vain conceit. And so uh, pride, when it begins to enter into our lives, not only will there be selfish ambition, but he said, it's just vain conceit. And what this is, this literally means empty pride. Basically, basically what vain conceit is, it means this. It means you ain't all that. Vain conceit is you're not as great as you think you are. Um, you're full of air. That's what vain conceit really means. It's, it's being full of myself. It's thinking more of myself than I really am. And that's vain conceit. And so the way we fight pride, Paul says, is through humility. And what he does is, is what I love. He gives us the example of Jesus and what Jesus did in his life. This to me is so incredible. This passage in chapter two of Philippians is so powerful to me that I've got to keep coming back to it and keep coming back to it. And I can remember the reason why Philippians chapter two is so powerful to me is for this reason. I remember um, when I was a teenager and my youth pastor used this passage on me when I needed to hear it. I was getting a little full of myself and I was, I was just complaining, put it that way. And I, this verse is like burned into my mind because my youth pastor used it on me as an example, and I never forgot it. I hate him to this day for that, but I love him, okay? And this is what he did. We were on a, a college trip, and I was in my, I think my junior or senior of, of high school, and um, 
we were uh, going down the East Coast to visit a bunch of Christian colleges, and our last stop was in southeastern Florida in Lakeland, and our day off, we got to go to Disney World. Now, I've been to Disney World already before, the couple years before, and I remember uh, telling our youth pastor and his wife, Bob and Pam, Pam Crosby, I said, listen, guys, um, we've got to leave early because we're going to get stuck in line because I've been there before, and it's crazy. Well, what happened was they got up early that morning, and they wanted to go by themselves to their restaurant where they used to date because they went to Southeastern. So they were late from their little breakfast date. So I'm looking at them and I'm like this, as they're coming back to the dorm, where were you guys? Why are you so late? Oh, we were, we got a little caught up. This is where we used to date. We wanted to go to this restaurant. It's called Kissing Cousins. And we used to get breakfast. I don't care. I don't care what you're, we're going to be late. So the whole way, the whole hour trip, I was terrible. I was like, see, and then we get there and the line is long. I mean, it is, we're stagnant. The traffic's not moving. And I'm, I say, I told you, there's me in the back just, and I literally thought uh, Pastor Bob was going to throw me out of the van. You can walk the rest of the way, right? Um, so what happens is he goes, you know, as we're waiting um, in this traffic, let's do a devotional. I don't want to do a devotional at this point. And so what does he do? He opens up to Philippians chapter two, right? And he says, you know, he starts reading it. Now he's not, he's not saying this is for Barden, but I got the drift, right? And he opens up, he says, you know, if you have any encouragement, you know, with Christ, any comments, oh, this is good. Then make my complete joy of being like-minded. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit but considers others better than yourself, right? And so um, he used it, and it was a great teaching moment for me about putting others first and not looking at my own interests and all the rest of the things. And so this was like a huge, uh, huge teaching thing for me. I never forgot that. Example. And I still remind him of that to this day. And he, remi- he, remembers, of it. he remembers it too. And, and God is a way of taking his word and, and just shining the spotlight in our hearts when we need correction. Because all of us at one time or another get irritated and we lose our patience and pride sets in and our spirituality goes out the window, right? And so that's where we need to be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We need the word of God to infiltrate our lives. And so what, what Paul does here, he says, this is how we fight pride. We've got to fight pride through humility. And you can choose humility or it can be forced upon you. You can choose it or it can be forced upon you like sitting in a van waiting in traffic to go to Disneyland for the day, right? And and when it's forced upon you, it's not that fun, right? Um, Even though God used it to correct your heart. And there's nothing worse than having humility forced upon you because, uh, because we think too highly of ourselves. And so what Paul says is, he says, listen to the Philippians. He says, walk in, walk in humility, choose to walk that way. Choose To walk in humility. Be like-minded like Christ who chose this. C.S. Lewis has this great quote where he says, True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. Sometimes we think of that. If I just beat myself up, and, and, and just say, well, I'm no good and I never do anything good. That's, that's not humility. That can actually be pride. But what C.S. Lewis says is true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. 
And the way we do that is by looking to the interests of others. And so what Paul does there here is he gives us the example that Jesus left for us. We fight pride by having the same attitude of Christ. And so what was the mindset of Jesus Christ? Well, this is what Paul does uh, in, in chapter 2 here. He says this about Jesus. He says, him being like God, Jesus being God, himself fully divine, being God, coming from heaven, he's ruler and king. He willingly laid his privileges down to take on the role of a servant. And so what he's saying, he's saying that Jesus willingly laid his life down so that he could take the role of a servant. Here he is. He's God. He's the ruler of the universe. And he willingly chooses the way of a servant. And so what Paul stresses he stresses that Jesus chose to humble himself and make himself nothing and take on the role of a servant. Jesus laid down his privileges to take up the role of a servant. So what Jesus literally did was he gave up his rights. He gave up his privileges. He laid those down and he was, it was his right to do that. And here he is as a king of the universe. He came to give his life as a perfect sacrifice for you and I. Even though he was a man, at the same time he was fully God. He chose to serve and not be served. Not at at the same time, not giving up any of his divinity. He became poor so we could become rich. He was perfect without sin and took our sin and offered himself as our sacrifice so that we could become righteous. So so here's our example. Paul says, this is the example. Jesus willingly did this. So as a follower of Christ, what he's saying is, choose the way. Make it your choice to be a servant. It's a privilege to serve. It's, It's a privilege to look at the interests of, of others. That's the way you fight pride. That's the way that we fight um, this attitude of, of wanting to be first or wanting it to, to be our way and wanting it to, to, to always uh, have it revolve around me or my opinion or all these things that, that say, you know, for the sake of Christ, I'm willing to lay those things down. So let me close. Let me just wrap this up. Let me wrap this up by giving you just a couple thoughts that, that can keep pride um, in check and, and, and things that you can even apply to your life. And I believe, listen, listen, here, here, here's the, here's the end of the day. At end of the day, as your pastor, the thing I pray most for our church, that our church would be a healthy church that would glorify Christ, that, that, that our church would never have to go um, through the horrible uh, outcome of a church split. And, and, and really what comes from that is just pride and things of, of not allowing our hearts to be in check. And, and this is my prayer that we would continue to be a healthy church, that Christ would continually be exalted. And I believe that if we implement this thinking of Paul saying, follow Christ, take on the role of a servant, be like-minded as him, that he considered himself nothing. He laid down his privileges to become a servant so that we could be lifted up. Listen, when we have that type of mindset, there's going to be a lot of unity flowing in this place. Amen? 
Even though we might have disagreements. And, and we can disagree about things and have opinions about things and not like how everything goes. But that doesn't mean that it has to uh, splinter or, or cause a fraction within the church. We can be mature enough to say, you know what, even though this is, um, um, I'm willing to talk through this. And if we're humble with one another, we can forgive each other um, and help each other to see our wrongs. So let me just give you a couple of things here. First of all, true humility. This is what true humility is. True humility never assumes that I deserve better or that I am better. True humility never assumes that I deserve better. The Bible says that we were bought at a price and that we lay our rights down at the foot of the cross for the sake of Jesus Christ. So think of it this way. The closer you become to Christ... And the more responsibility that you're given in Christ Jesus and the more knowledge, listen to me, don't miss this. And the more knowledge that you have in Jesus Christ, the more you have to lay your rights down. So what do I mean by that? The closer you get to Christ, the closer we get to one another, the more responsibility we have within the body of Christ, the more I have to say, I have less rights here. So what do I mean by that? Let me give you a perfect example. Um, when someone comes and they're new in our church and, they, and they're a guest and they come for the first time, they have all the rights with no responsibility. Why? Because they're our guest. We don't know where they are spiritually. We want them to come to know Jesus. We want them to grow in Jesus. But when they come in the door, we greet them. They get a gift. They get a gift card. They get a mug. What's up with that? I've been coming to this church for 20 years. I ain't getting no mug. How come some don't give me a gift card when I walk into this church? I've come here for 20 years, right? Why? Because you have more responsibility and you lay your rights down. Now, what happens is you come to the church and then you say, hmm, I like, I like living word. Preaching's not bad here, right? Music's not bad. I like it. They preach the word. I like this. I, 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 I may want to make this my church home. I, I, like, I like living word. And so all of a sudden you say, maybe, maybe I'll join membership. You know, and I, I want to be a part of the church. Now all of a sudden you come in. And then we say membership is synonymous with serving. And now you become a member. And now uh, you sign up to teach uh, a Sunday school class. Or maybe you sign up to teach to work with the National Girls Ministry on Wednesday night or the Royal Rangers or a youth worker or whatever. Now all of a sudden, guess what? You got to show up. You just can't say, oh, am I going to come to church on Wednesday night or Sunday? Eh. See what the weather forecast looks like, right? Okay. Now you can't do that because now, right, you got to teach a class and you got to prepare. So now what happens is, what just happened? As, as you gained more responsibility... You had to lay your right down on whether or not you had to come or not because now you have to come because these kids are all ready to learn from you. They want to know, what's my teacher going to share? What are they going to do? You just can't say, oh, I'm not going to show up. I don't care about the kids, right? All of a sudden, you lay your what? Your rights down, right? And so the more responsibility you have, the more you lay your rights down. Jesus perfectly showed us that principle by being the king of the universe by being god laid it all down chose to lay it down for you and i to become a servant for us 
He chose to serve and not be served. Listen, if you get this principle in your mind, it's going to be very difficult to struggle with pride. It's going to be very difficult to struggle with your rights. So when you come into church, you're not going to be saying that. Someone sat in my seat. Who is this person that sat in my seat? I've been sitting in this seat for 15 years, and this person has the audacity to sit in my seat, right? We're going to lay that down because what, what are we saying? Hey, the more, the longer I'm here, the more I lay my... I'm glad someone took my seat. I want to give up my rights so that I can build somebody else up. And that's good preaching right there, right? This is the heart that Paul is addressing. That this is where it's at. Because if we get this, we're not going to struggle with this pride issue in our hearts. Because we're going to constantly look to Jesus. And we're going to say, Jesus, you laid it down. Paul tells us we need the same attitude as Christ. And his attitude is service, service, servant, servant, service. It's about relationships. And here's the second thing real quick. Second thing is this. So, so let's make sure humility is, is never assuming that I deserve better. It's laying my rights down. The second thing here is anger is what gets most of us in trouble, but pride is what keeps us there. So when, when, when I'm upset about something and, and I'm not letting it go, it's, it's, remember this, it's pride that's keeping me there. Admitting that we struggle or that we're angry um, and we need forgiveness or to offer forgiveness is, is what kills pride. So remember, don't think too highly of yourself. Remember to lay your rights down. And listen, that's the hardest thing for Christians to grasp, especially when we're living in a world and we see so much dysfunction in our world. It's a hard thing for us to lay down our rights before the cross. And so remember, it's a servant's heart. It's a servant's heart. Jesus served so that we could be lifted up. So anger is what gets most of us in trouble. Pride is what keeps us there because we're not willing to let that go and admit it. But when we do admit it, it kills our pride. Carl Henry said this. I love this quote. It said, you cannot be arrogant when you stand next to the cross. When we reflect on the cross, we are best able to assess ourselves in the light of God's holiness. We cannot be, when we come to the cross, it lays down all our pride. I can't be arrogant when I look at the cross and see what Jesus actually did for me. I can't be prideful when I look at the cross and Jesus, who was perfect in every way, was willing to take on my sin and forgive Barden with all my faults and all, all my weaknesses. When I look at the cross, I cannot be arrogant. I can't. There's no way. I can't be prideful. I can't, I, I can't be full of my own rights. I can't do that. I've got to lay those down. And that's what Paul was trying to address with the Philippians. Keep this in mind. And if you do this, you will keep the unity in the body of Christ. You will stay close to Jesus and you will have the same mindset. This is what God is pleased with. And so let's be a people that share in that attitude of Christ. Let's be a people that are in fellowship with the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can, can shine on our weaknesses. And here's the reason why. 
It's not to beat you up. God's not there to say, oh, there you screwed up again. There's your pride. There's your butt. It's not. It's so that that inconsistency and that dross and that impurity that's in our life, God can take that away so we can have sweeter fellowship with him and more joy and peace in our life. God, that's what God desires because he's a good father, right? And a good father doesn't give bad gifts. A good father gives good gifts. And he doesn't want you to stumble over pride and arrogance and those things that will keep us from knowing him and having pureness in our relationships with one another and ultimately Jesus, our Savior. Amen? All right, so, so let's, let's bury some pride. Let's pray. We're going to close in song. And as we pray, just let the Lord, the Holy Spirit, shine a spotlight in your heart. And if there, just be willing to say, Holy Spirit, if there are things in my heart and life that, that I'm not seeing or are prideful or I need to offer forgiveness or ask for forgiveness or things that I've been prideful for, there's things that I've dug my heels into that, that I've been very stubborn in, Lord, reveal to my heart because I don't want these things to become pride and become an anchor in my life that keeps me from knowing you that could cause dissension. So Lord, just reveal it to me. Be honest with the Holy Spirit. God is faithful to reveal that to us and to cleanse us this morning so that we can draw closer to Christ. So let's stand and, and let's just pray. And we're going to close in song today. And uh, let's just give this to the Lord. Jesus, we just come before you today. And, and God, we thank you that you're good. God, I just pray that for every single one of us struggle in this area. We just do, God. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a battle that, that we're going to have to battle against the rest of our life. It's not something we ultimately overcome. It's something that we battle with. But thank you that we, we're not alone, that Jesus is with us, that we have him as our example, that the Holy Spirit can be within us and, and lead us uh, to keep us uh, before you and to humble us before your mighty hand. So God, just if there are things in our life that 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 are should not be there or stubbornness or pride or things that we've dug our heels into, unforgiveness and bitterness, God, I just pray that that Lord, your Holy Spirit would just deal with us right now to offer that up, to lay our lives down before you. And and thank you, Jesus, for being our example. Thank you that you did everything possible for us that we could live for you. So just God, speak to every single heart today as we just ask you to draw us closer to you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that you don't cast us out. Thank you that you don't give up on us. Thank you that you're patient with us and that you're working with us and that every single one of us in this place is a work in progress. And so thank you for your patience with us as we draw closer to you. In Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' wonderful name, amen, amen, amen. Let's sing this unto the Lord and just listen to the words. Great song. And uh, let's praise him. Thank you.